Christchurch, New Alden, 24th of January 2021. Tim Davis speaking on Building Back Better, Worship. These past few months has been a difficult time for everyone in a variety of ways. The absence of church, as we were able to experience it this time last year, has undoubtedly affected us all. For the time being, we have lost many of the aspects of church that we value deeply, fellowship, pastoral support. But what may be hardest of all is that we might feel we have lost some connection to our faith and to God without the structure of church services and physically being in a service in church. It can perhaps be a struggle to engage in worship as we have done previously. The enforced change to how we provide services of worship has of course given us all the opportunity to experience worship in different ways and even change our normal routine on Sunday. We've been able to utilise technology and incorporate it into our services in ways which wouldn't necessarily work in a service held in our church building. But I'm fairly sure that almost all of us would probably prefer to be back in church on a Sunday morning or evening, worshipping together as we have done before the changes to life in 2020. So many people speak of missing the opportunity to worship together in sung praise, of being able to share with one another, support one another in person, to pray together, to hear a sermon in person, as that's how you might feel best able to engage with it. And most of all, to feel that church is where you feel most able and open to encountering God, to listen to him, to worship him. This time out from normal worship has enabled us to appreciate better what we miss, what we might have just taken for granted without realising it. We looked forward to being back in church together again soon, hopefully without restrictions on how we meet. And with this series looking at how we can build back better, it's the chance to have those conversations about how we can rebuild as a community of worshippers perhaps improve on, refine what was there before. When we look at people taking a time out in the Bible, it's not usually a good thing that's happening. You know, When Jesus went into the desert and fasted for 40 days, it wasn't some ancient spiritual retreat. It was a time of great testing for him. And consider Jonah, you know, he had one of the greatest time outs in history, being stuck in the belly of a fish for three days. But in both these cases, and many more, something far better came out of these absences, these timeouts, with God's divine will carried out. So that's what this talk is today. A conversation about worship after this time out. What our vision might be for how we worship as a church, and what it means to see ourselves as worshippers of God. Worship, of course, takes many forms. It isn't just about singing songs. It's our entire experience of offering praise and worship to God. If someone leading a church service introduces a time of singing by saying, we're now going to worship God, then they're misleading their congregation. Singing isn't the definition of worship. It's the definition of sung worship. And worship is not simply a church service. Because we don't stop worshipping God the moment we walk out of church. 
perhaps the most significant thing I've read on the subject of worship is this. Worship is not a technique. It is an activity where we encounter God. It's a response to grace and of answering a call. For some, that comes through spoken word, in the words of scripture, and in the preaching that expounds and illuminates the scripture. For others, it comes in music, where words of a song and the accompanying tune worm their way into bodies and minds, or where we may feel drawn out of ourselves and participating in a moment where our bodies and our voices let out a sustained action of praise and worship. And others still may hear worship most clearly in silence. As the worshipping self learns to hear where, in amongst the noise of self-interest, doubt, distraction, temptation and despair, the call of God is echoing. A great example of this is the familiar song, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord, a song taking the words of scripture in Psalm 37 that exhorts the reader to stop what they're doing, stop worrying and just wait on God. For a while last year, we were able to meet again in church, but something that was missing besides our own singing was the sacramental side of worship. For obvious reasons, we cannot share in a full Eucharist or communion service. Baptisms haven't been held in our full church services. Many of the ways in which we as a church engage in outreach and serving the community have had to stop or dramatically change. All of these are the activity of worship and the ways in which we encounter God and hear and respond to his call in our lives. And crucially, these are, for the most part, corporate activities, things we do together. Many of us might envisage a picture of a lone individual surveying a scene of mountains and valleys and seas as the sun sets, unable to contain their worship of God for this glorious moment. And yet the call of God is more often encountered through other people because our own limited, narrow, cramped vision of God can be broken open and expanded by encounter with other people who think and see differently from us and who help us see God anew and with fresh perspective on his grace and endless love. So what would we want to experience as worshippers when we go back to normal church? Hopefully this time out period has given us a chance to reflect on what we've missed about church. Perhaps we might have a renewed appreciation for liturgy and the words we say as part of our online services, affirming our belief in God and praise of him. What have you found helpful and refreshing in the online services we've participated in? What have you been inspired to want to do when we return? People coming to church can expect a warm welcome, fellowship with others, children's and youth work, pastoral care, engaging teaching. But most of all, they should expect an encounter with God. We can worship and encounter God in every area of our lives, but it's essential to know that we make a particular effort to encounter God 
or at least acknowledge that it could happen when we come to church. So whatever form our worship takes when we are back to normal church, it can't be just going through the motions. We've got a unique opportunity at this moment to reflect, refine and build back better and to make church a place where we are all encountering God and equip ourselves to keep on encountering him in our daily lives. So what does that mean for us individually in a practical sense? Well, as I said at the start of this talk, how we encounter God is different for each person. There are opportunities for this in every part of a church experience. And these are just a few of my thoughts, because as I also said, this is more of a conversation, a chance to think about a vision of what it can mean to be a worshipper of God. First of all, it's important to always seek to worship God and overcome the barriers that prevent us. Now, that might seem a weird thing to say, but have you ever noticed how easy it is to just not bother with church, with God, when you're not feeling at your best? When times are hard, when you're stressed and busy, when the worst things that can happen in life happen to you? Do you actually feel like running to church and falling on your knees and lifting your voice in praise? Or do you actually want to shut away from the world? Does it actually feel like the only reason you might go to church is to shout in anger at God? We see in the Bible that people regularly sound off at God, but they still realise that that moment of encountering God is precious. The Psalms are a collection of works that have been described as praise in the presence and absence of God. A favourite song of mine is Blessed Be Your Name by Matt and Beth Redman. And it's a song that was written in response to personal tragedy, but which speaks of a desire to say, I will praise God in the good times and the bad times. In the first reading we had read to us, we have this wonderful image of Paul and Silas having been arrested and beaten and thrown into prison, yet still only focused on singing praises to God. There's a great illustration that Nick Drake, the associate pastor at St Luke's Birmingham, uses. That's about singing when we're losing. Those of you who go to football matches will likely be aware of the tendency to uh, taunt opposition fans who appear to stop vocally supporting their team if they can see the goal with the chant, you only sing when you're winning. Being a worshipper who desires to encounter God means being prepared to sing when we're losing, to actively seek to worship and encounter God, however we might be feeling. Because just like Paul and Silas, it's those times when we are most in need of God's presence that he changes things. Uh, another great idea that I must say also got from Nick Drake is to remember that our church is unique and our vision of worship should reflect this. It's crucial to discipline ourselves to stop looking so much at what others are doing and instead devote time and prayer to what God has placed right in front of us. One way to do this is to perhaps assess what makes us unique. What is unique about our community, our congregation, or perhaps in our case, congregations, plural? 
What is God teaching us as a community? What are the stories of God at work? What is God building in our midst and how do we keep sight of it? What do we want God to do here at Christchurch? What do we want to be able to do with God's power at work in us? Sometimes we might even need to be willing to strip it all back. A song that we played earlier was When the Music Fades, The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. In his book, The Unquenchable Worshipper, Matt tells of how the song came about. He says, a few years back in our church, we realised some of the things we thought were helping us in our worship were actually hindering us. They were throwing us off the scent of what it means to really worship. We had always set aside lots of time in our meetings for worshipping God through music, but it began to dawn on us that we'd lost something. The fire that used to characterise our worship had somehow grown cold. In some ways, everything looked great. We had some wonderful musicians and a good quality sound system, but somehow we'd started to rely on these things a little too much, and they'd become distractions. Where once people would enter in, no matter what, we'd now wait to see what the band were like first, how good the sound was, or whether we were into the songs chosen. Mike, the pastor, decided on a pretty drastic course of action. We'd strip everything away for a season, just to see where our hearts were. So the very next Sunday, when we turned up at church, there was no sound system to be seen, and no band to lead us. Mike would say, when you come through the doors of the church on Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? What are you going to sacrifice today? At first, the meetings were a bit awkward. There were long periods of silence. But we soon began to learn how to bring heart offerings to God without any of the external trappings we'd grown used to. Stripping everything away, we slowly started to rediscover the heart of worship. After a while, the worship band and sound system reappeared. But now it was different. The song of our hearts had caught up with the songs of our lips. Reflecting on this season and where they had come as a church, Matt wrote the song, The Heart of Worship. I'm not suggesting we need to do the same as Matt's church in Brighton, but as I was thinking about this topic, I kept hearing that refrain over and over again, I'll bring you more than a song. What does it mean to bring more than a song to God? For me, every song of worship that I sing should be more than a song. I'm someone who's deeply passionate about music, but I don't just love worship songs and hymns for the way they sound or for how they make me feel when I watch a YouTube video of them being performed of 20 different musicians on stage. I love these songs for how they let me express my praise and worship to God. And every song we sing in church should be an opportunity to express something about God and to God, just as every different piece of liturgy we use is a different way of saying sorry or thank you to God. Our worship of God, and in particular our sung worship of God, should always be an opportunity to encounter God not ourselves. True worshippers should always be outward looking, not inward, not distracted by what they're singing, but focused on why they're singing, 
It's why we look not for worship leaders as personalities, but for those who can lead worshippers. There's no point having a rocking sound system and fancy light show if God and his word and his spirit are in the shadows. And finally, most of all, let's just get excited about what a privilege it is to worship God. Now, I love the words of the final verse of the song, There is a Redeemer. They go, when I stand in glory, I will see his face and there I'll serve my king forever in that holy place. This vision of worship is what I see when I read from those verses in Revelation chapter 4. This vision John has of heavenly worship before the throne of God is amazing. We don't really know what the life to come will be like. As Paul says in the famous passage from 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. We see but glimpses of the glory that awaits. The time when we would join in worship like the 24 elders as they throw themselves before the heavenly throne. But right now, we have the awesome privilege of worshipping God in our daily lives, joining along with the angels and the whole company of heaven in praise and responding to God's call to follow him. And so we should make it our best. Not just asking how and where will I meet with God, but also where and when might I not expect to meet with God. At Christchurch over the years, we have organised prayer rooms and prayer corners, prayer and praise evenings, courses to explore the Bible in greater detail and ones to challenge us to social action. The acceleration of technology in the last 40 years means that Christchurch is so much different from the church I experienced as a child. And I hope that in 40 years from now, it is just as unrecognisable as with each year that passes, we see new ways and opportunities to encounter God in our worship and to respond to his call. True worshippers look outwards, not inwards seeing the world they live in, noticing what's around them, poverty, injustice, and get busy worshipping God by doing something about it. So let's have the conversations now about how we can be building back better in our worship. The churches are closed, but the church is alive. Let's not lose sense of what it means to be church and how we can build it back better in the years to come.